Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Having said that, we're joking about it, that with where we are right now and where we're going, terminology is about to change. We've been preaching on uh, uh, strategic inflection point. Thank you. Meaning we're making our turn. So when we make our turn, we're going to another dimension. Uh, you can't go to another dimension with the same practices and habits, right? You can't take a business to the next level. Uh, Scott, you're a businessman. You can't take it to the next level. I just love it now that you can pull up and read your screen and push all of that. And you're just keeping us going to the next dominion, uh, dimension. Well, when you do that, uh, in the kingdom, terminology changes. What I mean by that, requirements change. Expectations change. Uh, and the problem with this is, when you're trying to lead a whole body in this direction, people get caught in the crossfire. Because not everybody wants to go to the next dimension. Can I get a witness? Everybody says they want to. I want to lose weight. But it's hard for me to quit eating. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, and so people get caught in the crossfire. And, uh, and when you do, you'll know that you're in the battle and the struggle when we start making statements like we made from the pulpit, leaders be here or give up your position. That's harsh. That's harsh. But you can't go to the next dimension without greater requirements. Or you go back around the circle. Right? So uh, I've been called by God and I'm being held responsible like never before, which is my goal tonight to share that with you and take up where Fluky left off on uh, Tabernacle of David, which you didn't mention because you said you wasn't going to mention it, uh, of where we're headed. Uh, but actually, I don't know what you came expecting tonight, uh, but I'm not going to preach. I'm not even going to teach. Uh, I'm going to take you into my prayer closet, into my prayer time, uh, and take you there scripturally. So if you don't like scripture, you're going to be bored out of your head. But I need you to grab your Bibles. And there is no way, if you don't have a pen and paper, you need to borrow one right now. If you don't have one, raise your hand. Uh, there's one, two. Anybody got extra, start throwing them. Just throw them back there. He'll catch them. There is no possible way you're going to keep up with me tonight without writing it down. Or even if you do keep up with me, I'm preparing you for the third phase of the prayer revival. Um, you can't pray effectively if you don't know the word. Right? And so I'm just going to bring you in and I'm telling you, I ain't never had so many scriptures in my life. So we're going to do mostly scripture. And it's crazy uh, some of the stuff you just uh, brought out, Fluky. One thing you got to be careful of, we as Christians like to be positive, don't we? We don't like to talk negative. We like to speak positive. So in, in uh, retrospect, really, it's become our own worst enemy because you don't want to own up to how bad it is, Right? I believe in being positive and speaking positive, but until you assume responsibility, 
and that's where we're about to go, where God took me, amen, and say, I'm sick. You'll never even seek a physician. And the church is sick. She's really sick. And it's so amazing, Scott, what you brought out last night. I knew uh, he was going to talk about garden, and then what you brought out last night. It's all working together that we're going to have to guard this. But today in study, I noticed that God started pulling me in a certain direction, and it was on a whole lot of warning you about what's about to happen, and Fluky got hung up on it too. Um, we don't like to glorify the devil, but I'm telling you, we finna stir things up. We finna stir things up. And I would love to be able to take care of it from this pulpit with nothing but warning you and teaching you, right? I would love to be able to do that. And I should be able to do that if you're a mature Christian. And probably most we have in here tonight is maturity. That I don't have to two days to now start counseling you about what Fluky just warned you about. He's coming. He's coming. The problem usually is he comes in a way that you won't recognize him. <laughs> he comes in ways you don't recognize him. So if that's uh, where the Lord leads me tonight, and it's going to take me a little time, I'm telling you, and where we're at, I'm, I, I'm wrestled around with my co-pastor today and uh, about our services being kind of long on Sunday. I don't want to have a long service on Sunday in one sense, so I'm cognizant of that, and I'm wrestling with that. But I also told him, I can't go to the mountain that I've been on and talk to you for 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. I can't do it. There's too much coming in, and, the, and we're right in the middle of a strategic inflection point of turning, and we're, we're beyond that 20-minute sermon, three songs, and go home. But having said that, I'm, we're going to do our best to use a little wisdom in our services. Sunday morning only is all I'm committing to. Our revival service is Sunday night. We may stay all night worshiping God. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, you're going to have to go with me and go with me fast. And if you're not there, you can stop me. I'm going to start jumping from book to book to book. Uh, but the first thing I do want to tell you is uh, I was in prayer this morning and uh, God just spoke to me and said, uh, this is a hard hat area. This is a hard hat area. Uh, boy, I'll jump right on that. So when he did, I automatically knew I was in a construction site. And so when you're in a construction site, there's warning signs you might get hurt. So you better put a hard hat on because there's things that's not established yet and they may fall and hit you. Are you following me? And you got to be careful because there's some boards laying around. I really had in my mind to set up this whole sanctuary for about three, three weeks of a construction site uh, because it looks like chaos, but it's chaos with a purpose. Amen. So therefore, I can't walk on eggshells during construction time. I'm just going to go ahead and put a heart out on because I know <laughs> that I'm probably going to get bonked on the head. And when it hits me, it's, it may stun me, but it ain't going to take me out because I was ready for it. Right? I, I, uh, these guys now, what do you call them clothes y'all wear? FRs? Uh, uh, burning up. <laughs> 
out there burning, slap up, fire retarded. Uh, why? Because you're in a position that something might catch on fire and you're going to need something to protect you. Can I tell you that's where Life Church is right now? That we are a work zone. And so there's going to be things out of order, things that could you could hurt, step on and get hurt. Amen. And you may look at something and say, man, that just don't, that, that don't look good. Well, God's not through with it yet. You know, uh, I, I, I'm just going to quit and give up because it don't look like. Well, he's still working on that thing. So that's where we are, first of all, is we're in a work zone, uh, and we're in a hard hat area, and it is a dangerous area. And I really didn't, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever been to this place before to start feeling kind of a, a little anxiety coming up because I don't want anybody to be left behind. I don't really want anybody to get injured but uh, it's already happening. Little fires are already starting. There's fires right here in this sanctuary tonight that I probably hadn't heard about yet. Little fires. But if you'll listen to us, we can put them fires out right now. Okay. I got dreams and visions like I never had. Uh, I am going to give you one little thing you might think is silly. But God has had, because of my own insecurities, God has begun to give me little nuggets to let me know I'm on the right track. Uh, you know, I, God gave this Joshua a word several months back, maybe a year or two, uh, that when our little core group of elders started seeking God, this hadn't just started in July, trust me. We started seeking God together, didn't we? We hours of the morning, staying up some late night seeking God. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, told Joshua when he was going into the promised land, said, you're going to have to follow the ark because you've never been this way before. That's the way I feel right now. We're going to have to be so led by the Spirit because none of us has been this way before. We've all been our ways and experienced some things, but we haven't been this way before. Uh, I'm so worried about boring y'all tonight, uh, but we finna do some scriptures. Okay, now we're getting into what God started speaking. Turn to Psalms 102. Some of this has come out in scripture. This is the first thing God said. Psalms 102, or actually the second thing, but I wanted to read it first. Where's Psalms at? That older New Testament. Thank you. Somebody said Old Testament. <laughs> Psalms 102, 12. I'm telling you things that was spoken directly to me by the Spirit of God out of the Word of God. Now, I'm a Word man. I'm not real prophetic outside the Word like Scott and Kobe and some. Not, not that they're outside the Word. Uh, but usually my prophetic Word is tied to a Scripture. Uh, everything they do is backed up by scripture, but uh, boy, I stuck my foot in my mouth there. <laughs> Scott, you got your hard hat on? Uh, you got it on? Got on steel toes because you know me. Josh told me yesterday I didn't have any tact. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but <laughs> are y'all ready? Psalm 102, 12. But thou, o Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance unto what? What God's going to do is going to be generational. You shall arise and have mercy on who? Who is Zion? You shall arise and have mercy on the church, for here it is, the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. 
Somebody say, now's the time. God told me that I'm going to show mercy. You know what that means? It's something she don't deserve because of her nonsense, what you just drew a picture of. But for my name's sake, and we're going to pick, on, pick from Kobe's sermon, I'm going to show her mercy. My time on my calendar has come. And then he tells us why. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. God said it's time because I stirred up a concern in my body and they've been praying. They've been fasting. They've been praying. So the heathen is going to fear the name of the Lord. Respect is about to come into our community. And all the kings the glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear. Somebody read it. In his glory. I got to build my church back and my glory's coming back. It's construction zone. I'm going to build my church and his glory is coming back. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generations to come and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. He looked down from the height of his sanctuary from heaven to hear the groaning and it just goes on and gets better, but I'm going to rush. But he said, what's about to happen is going to be documented for generations to come. It's going to affect our children and our children's children. Okay, first thing first. That's what he started with. And then I was over here in prayer. I don't remember. Well, let me, let me drop this one little, I, I'm, I'm scared of wooey stuff, but let me drop this in here. Uh, God told me it's time. I went to Walmart at the first of the year, and I always buy a desk calendar. Y'all know what that is? Just lays on your desk. It's real big, got big squares, and that's where I keep notes. That's where I document stuff, keep up with sermons preached, who preached them. I bought this at Walmart now. Went back, grabbed one, put it in my buggy, brought it home, laid it on my desk. And, uh, this was at the first of the year. Um, sat down at my desk there. A few days later, was going to record something, and the dates wasn't right. I said, today is not the 8th or today's not a Monday and my calendar said it's Monday and I looked up to the top and it was July I said are you kidding me I went to Walmart and bought a calendar and they sold me a calendar that started in July this was first of the year so I left it on my desk and Early in the, uh, in the year, I can't remember the months. I wish I wrote them down. God began to be, deal with me, and I got all the scriptures written down. I just don't think I want to take time to give them to you, uh, but I got them right here. And every one of them was on intercessory prayer. The hour has come. When Zion began to travail, she brought forth. And I was writing these scriptures down on my calendar for the month of July in March. Are you following me? And I was just consumed with a spirit of prayer that God wanted to put on the church. And I think I even talked to y'all about, man, we need to do some praying and this and that. And did start doing a little praying. But all these scriptures was on there in the month of July. This is somewhere in the first two months, three months. Then still didn't think nothing about it. Well, in July, I got born again again. I done gave y'all that testimony. July 7th, 2018, I had an encounter with God. And he said, things are finna change. And I sat down at my desk 
And when I sat down, God said, July is the new fiscal year for Life Church. So he set me up from the first of the year that July would be the new beginning for Life Church and already had all the scriptures written down that they would be a spirit of prayer that came upon this church. So that's just one little thing. That happened to let me know. And, and also he told me, and I'll tell everybody here. He said, start documenting everything from this new year. So uh, we're going to do that. Everything God does and says, we're going to be writing it down. Okay? Then I was in prayer. Now y'all turn to, me, to the book of Joel. Y'all ain't going to listen to me now because I heard somebody tell her neighbor, this guy's weird. He believes stuff like that. I'm just telling you it happened. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what happened. Uh, Joel. And we're going to be doing Joel, Haggai, Ezra, Nehemiah, all these little books because God has, has to give me scriptural direction. Are you following me? Can y'all respect that? I need scriptural direction to go with the spirit that's speaking into me. And Scott's done taught some of that stuff. I was in prayer. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to try to get some headings. This one is the promise. Next, I'll give you the command. Third, I'll give you the condition. First is the promise. It's good to see my brother back there in the back too, air-conditioned man. I'm sorry the name's left me. Uh, but we're just hungry for God, and that's what we're here for tonight, me to stop, cast the vision for you to help me pray. First, we're going to deal with the promise. I was in here praying, um, and God just spoke to me this promise. When he spoke to me, I knew where it was. I remembered the scripture. It's in the book of Joel, chapter number 2, verse number 23. He said, this is for anything started. This is for y'all knew anything. This is for I've said anything. This is for I started preaching sound the alarm. God spoke to me and said, are y'all there? Joel 2, 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat. The vat shall overflow with wine and oil. Now, I don't want to stop and teach too much, but you got to understand this is a sign of abundance of the Spirit of God. When it's talking about wine and oil, they both represents the Holy Spirit. The rains coming down represents the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They're going to come moderately. They're going to come on time and in time. And as a result, the church is about to start overflowing. Not with people yet, but overflowing with a new spiritual depth. I knew what he was saying immediately. He said, get ready. I'm about to pour and your vats are going to be running over. I feel like there's an anointing starting to move in this house. Get ready. And, and here's the word he spoke to me uh, that started, I will restore to you the years. Somebody say restoration. I'm about to restore what the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, the great army which I sent among you. Now, this ain't talking about little insects crawling around. It's spirits that came in and started devouring. He just talked about something. It started eating up stuff. 
You ever had a, a, a caterpillar come eat your joy? Oh, y'all ain't going to help me. You just didn't know it was a caterpillar. <laughs> it was a spirit. It was a spirit that started. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, you ever seen them eat them leaves? <laughs> oh, God, I feel something to break this place. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Something's going to happen. Amen. He said, I'm going to, all through the years, these little varmints, little mindsets have been eaten at the church and it stole the joy, the peace, the supernatural, signs, wonders, and miracles, fruits of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. And he said, he's just been eating it and eating it and eating it. And God shut me down in prayer and said, I'm going to restore everything. And it took years for him to take it. It took years for it to take it. And 26 said, and you're going to eat in plenty and be. We're going to be a part of a church. When you come in here, you're going to sit down at the tables of God. You're going to drink wine out of bowls. You hear me? You're going to feast from the table of the Lord. And you're not going to walk out malnutrition. Is anybody in this place, amen, saying, I'm starving, I'm starving. You're going to be filled. <laughs> Shelly, you okay over there? I see the Holy Ghost on you. Amen. You're going to be so filled that you're going to be so satisfied. Amen. You know when you eat and you're not satisfied, you're hungry for something else two minutes later? He said, you ain't going to be hungry for the world. When I satisfy this house, you're going to be so satisfied, you don't want to graze at the table of the devil. That's why our churches are grazing at the table of the devil because they're not eating good when they get to the house of God. This is Bethel, Bethel, the house of bread. There's going to be plenty of bread in the house of God. Please write this stuff down because I'm wanting you to take it back into your prayer, meet, your prayer meeting this week. You're going to be satisfied. And what? When you're really satisfied, what do you do? Praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. I'm sick of backslidden uh, Christians that you have to deal with every day that are pointing their finger at you saying, where is your God? Where is your God? You're not getting your prayers answered. He said, you're about to move into a season. You'll never be ashamed again. You'll never be embarrassed again. When you pray, he moves. When you ask, he hears. Oh, is anybody ready? This was the promise. Come on. Amen. And you're going to quit faking it till you make it. And you're going to quit this accommodating theology where we say we believe in all this, but there ain't no manifestation of it. It's just a whole lot of preaching with no demonstration. He said, it's finna end. I'm finna restore my kingdom church into this place, my Lord and my God. And he said, you're gonna be so full of praise and adoration and it's gonna come to pass afterward. Afterward, somebody say afterward. Afterward, after what? I'm gonna show you what. He said, it's gonna come to after afterward, Dean Love. Listen to me, I'm talking to you. That's what he was telling me. It's gonna come that I'm gonna pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters are gonna prophesy. Your old men are gonna dream dreams and your young men are gonna see visions. Wow, that just stood out to me. I've been dreaming. That puts me in the old man category. 
on your servants, on your handmaidens. Somebody read that scripture. On your servants, on your handmaidens, I'm going to pour my spirit out. In other words, there ain't going to be no more big shot preachers. They're the only ones with the anointing and with the word and with the gifts. He said the very servants, the germanes that are standing in the back holding the door open are going to lay hands on the sick, speak, pro speak prophetic words. That the women are going to rise up in power. So what the scripture said right here. He said, I'm going to restore it. I'm going to restore it. I can't preach tonight. I didn't come to preach tonight. But I do want to give you another wooey sign. On down here, if you'll keep reading. I wish I'd have went back and wrote that down. The date. He said, there's going to be some signs. And one of the signs is going to be the moon's going to turn to blood. Well, I said, that's for some future time. In July... Anybody know the date? I was sitting on my back porch. I ain't told nobody nothing about the signs. And was sitting there in the moon. You was there. Y'all were there. And the moon started coming up around the trees. And I got to looking. I said, my God. Patty said, yeah, that's that blood moon. She said, I've been, she knew about it, right? You had read about it or somebody did. Maybe it may have been you. I said, you got to be kidding me. You got, I didn't say a word to nobody. I stood on the back porch in amazement. Did anybody see it? That thing was blood red in July. What was the date? Anybody know? This is right, huh? Oh, really? 26th, 27th? Well, the building of the temple started July 21st in these scriptures I'm going to give you. And it's when we started on the Saturday before. I mean, everything just tied together. Amen? And that red moon was coming up, and I was just saying, I hear you. I hear you, God. I hear you, God. I don't know if they don't think I'm crazy, but I hear you. Okay? So there's the promise. Somebody say, thank God for the promise. And he, he let that sink in for two or three days. He let that sink in for two or three days. Wow, this is going to be great. Our church is going to be overflowing. And I'm not talking about numbers yet. It's going to be overflowing with a new anointing, a spirit to worse God. Everybody's anointed. I'm sick of anointed people being abnormal. It's funny. I, I, I mean, I'm just me, but when I go places and travel and preaching, people are enamored with the anointing. And, and it's like we're the superstars. I'm sick of that. You want to know why? Because it's so rare. God said, not in this church I'm about to establish he said, hey, listen to me. All 120, the sum total of the church, come out in power and demonstration. Are you listening to me? I'm tired of, of, of finding an anointing over here and us having to run to that anointing when all of us is going to be anointed by God. All of us going to be anointed by God. Okay, then two days, three days later, he said, okay, it would have been good if it could have stayed right there. But then he said, let me show you what it's going to cost you. Let me show you what it's going to cost you. Joel chapter number 2, verse number 1. Blow you the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Are y'all sick of hearing that yet? Somebody call my phone. Oh, I don't have it. I thought I had it. Somebody call my phone and see what you hear. There it is. I preached with this. 
Remember that sermon? Sound the alarm. Ain't that the most aggravating noise you ever heard? Well, over the next few days, oh, these sermons you're hearing, they're going to sound like this. <laughs> Would you shut up, preacher? It's a, it ain't supposed to be, it ain't supposed to be a sweet sound to my ears. It's supposed to startle me that I need to come out of my unconscious state and get woke up because I got to go to work. Are you following me? This is, he, won't, he wrestled me all night long. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. It means to pierce the ear. It's not supposed to tickle the ear. It's supposed to wake us up. I knew the preaching was finna change. <laughs> I didn't know he's going to change you guys as much as you did. All of you preachers are sounding the alarm. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. We ought to be trembling about the condition of the church. Okay? Uh, here's the command. Verse number 15. 2.15. Blow you the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a... Call a... This is the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. Call a solemn assembly. Not a worship service. A solemn assembly to where we're gathered together not to be wooed and awed by worship, not to be fed by the preacher. It's calling a solemn assembly to where we're laying between the porch and altar and we're weeping about the condition of the church. That's why I said you could, you, anybody can pray at home, but God told me to call us here together. He called me to call us here together. Call the solemn assembly. It goes on. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation. I ask God, how am I supposed to sanctify this congregation? How am I supposed to set you apart? How, how am I supposed to get you in the right place? And he reminded me of a scripture. They were washed by the water of the word. God said, I'm going to start sanctifying them by the word. Y'all are being sanctified. Is anybody listening to me? Every service, whether I, you may not know it, that's what tonight's for. God is sanctifying you sanctifying you. Uh, I'm just going to ask this question. You, 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 you don't have to answer. Does anybody feel like over the last two weeks you've kind of been set apart? That you really can't be engaged in everything you was engaged with? Or even that if you're still engaged because you can't disengage, your mind is somewhere else? I'm so eat up with this stuff, Kobe. She was going to follow me to Hatton's a while ago to take Lacey's car down there. And I got so engrossed in where we were going to go tonight that I woke up at uh, Brookshire's. Oh, my God, where am I? Huh? So when y'all see my car coming, if I was y'all, I'd be over on the other side of the road because I'm probably in another round. Are you listening to me? Uh, Patty called me. Where are you at? I was embarrassed. <laughs> Well, I'm at Brookshire's turning around. <laughs> I've been on the mountain. Still engaged, but disengaged. Is anybody listening to me? Being set apart for the work that I'm going to present to you. The work that he's got us in right now. Isn't it amazing that it's changing? We used to be so enamored with that stuff, we couldn't keep our mind on Jesus. Isn't that great? We're changing now our mind's so on Jesus all the time, it's hard to get our jobs done and to want to go to work and to do the things that we have to do. So don't nobody quit your jobs yet. We need your ties. I'm just saying. 
Blow the trumpet. All right, Kim's made it. She had a meeting. Amen. Sanctify the people. Uh, sanctify the congregation. Assemble. Here he said, and here's who I want coming to this. I want... <laughs> uh, that's somebody trying to sell me insurance. Uh, gather, assemble the elders, all you that are in spiritual leadership. And some of you, just because you don't have a title don't mean you're not spiritual leaders of this church. I need you to be here. Uh, I lost my place. I need the children to be here. I need the infants to be here. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. In other words, I don't care how important it is. This is so important. I need you to tweak your schedule. <laughs> I mean, he, he's just laying it out there. So this is probably not going to be for everybody, but I'm going to prove to you there's going to be a remnant that says, I'll clear my schedule. I'll, I'll clear my schedule. Uh, let the priest, the ministers, that's why I said you leaders ought to be here tonight. Let the priests, the leaders, the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them pray. Spare your people, O oh God. You can't pray effectively until you realize that the church is going into a sinkhole. Spare your people, O Lord, and here's the part that I pray with such intensity. Give not your heritage to reproach. All the good things we're supposed to be living in, we're not. And as a result, people are mocking and saying, your God ain't God. You ain't got no more peace than I got. You ain't got no more joy than I got. I don't see no difference in your life other than you go to a church on Sunday morning. He said, our heritage is falling into reproach rather than being held out here for everybody to say, I want some of that. Don't let our heritage go to reproach. I want my children. Scott, I want our children to know the power of God. That's why there's a great exodus in the church of a teenage group coming in and graduating and leaving the church because there's nothing to hold them. Matter of fact, it's distasteful to them because we preach stuff every Sunday we're never experiencing. Are you following me? I can't, I can't, I can't put it out there enough. Amen. Don't give our heritage to reproach. Next thing to pray about is that the heathen should rule over us. That word heathen actually means mindset. The churches let worldly mindsets come in and rob us. Cause us to walk in compromise. Huh? Cause us to feel like we got to be relevant. Our music sounds like the world, acts like the world, our dress, everything else. Heathens come in the heathen mindset, and then the very last one. These are things I pray daily. I do not want any lost person having or saying, where is your God? Where is your God? Where is your God? Show me some evidence there is a God. We ought to be crying out to God. We're tired of toting a Bible we're not experiencing. I'm not saying you're not living right. I'm talking about experiencing the supernatural glory of God in our lives. Okay? So the command was to get you together. To get you to come and pray. To begin to fast and pray. To begin to seek the face of God. And some of you have already started that. He said, and then in 18, then will the Lord be jealous for his land and he will pity his people. 19, yes, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, I'm going to send corn. Here it is. I'm going to send wine. I'm going to send oil. And you shall be what? Satisfied. And I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen.
He said, if you'll just begin to pray, if you'll begin to fast, if you'll begin to seek your face, amen, the church is too busy to get back to business. Oh, I got to do this, and my kids has got to go there, and we got to be over there, and I'm tired, and I worked all day. It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. So I gave you the promise. He gave me the command. Now, I hate this part, but I got to give you the condition. We'll start in Joel chapter number one. Uh, I'm going to, now I need you, I told you to get a pen because I need you to write these scriptures down because I'm running through what I need you to get in a prayer closet with and get these things in you so they'll stir up an intensity in prayer. The condition, the condition, the condition of the church. I started preaching several weeks back now that God is mad. I had a hard time preaching that because we're always preaching about the love of God. But just because God's mad don't mean he quit loving. I preach that God is mad out of uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter number 49. He said he looked down at the condition and was totally displeased. He was totally displeased with the condition. Uh, now, if you're not a firm believer that the church is the only answer, this is irrelevant to you. If you're not a firm believer that a healthy church can change a community, change a nation, change the world, then none of this means anything to you. You got to be convinced we are the answer. You got to be convinced you are the light of the world. You got to be convinced you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its savor, then wherewith shall the world be salted? In other words, if we lose it, there's not a backup. We are the Calvary. There ain't no paramedic coming. We're him. So I, I preach and pray with a conviction that if we get repositioned, we're going to solve every problem. All you Trump lovers, Trump can't solve it. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Uh, the government can't solve it. Huh? I'm not saying he's doing a bad job or whatever, but we got to get our eyes off the White House and get it to the church house. Because there's the answer. Here's the condition of the church. I, uh, a prophet uh, is kind of hard to understand sometimes because they're speaking prophetically and I don't have time to teach tonight. So I'm going to run through some stuff. Here's the condition of the church. Joel, uh, verse number four. Uh, I'm going to jump. Right, well, three, tell your children. He said, tell your children the condition of your church. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm had left, the locust has eaten. That which the locust has left, the canker worm ate. That which the canker worm had left, the caterpillar ate. Remember, I told you the restoration a while ago. Awake, you drunkards, weep and howl, all you drinkers of wine, because a new wine is cut off from your mouth. A nation has come upon you strong without number. He said, you've been devoured. You've just been devoured. Seven, he has laid my vine waste. He's talking about his church. The enemy has laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree, meaning he cut around the fig tree and it's going to die. He's made it clean and bare, casted away the branches thereof, made white, lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Look at verse number nine. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut, up from the, cut off from the house of the Lord. 
The priest and the Lord's ministers mourn. The meat offering and the drink offering is the abundance of God. He said the abundance of God is gone. We're just struggling through in churches. Just struggling through. There's no testimonies. It's just, it's, it's gone. Uh, look at verse number 11. Be ashamed, you husbandmen, how you vine dressers. If the church is the vine, we are the leaders, then we are the husbandmen and the vine dressers. You are the husbandmen and the vine dressers of your spiritual vine. And he said it's depleted and you ought to be weeping because you didn't take good care of the vine. Is anybody listening to me? You got to quit saying, well, if Russ didn't act like he did, I would be producing more fruit. No, you're the husbandman of your vine. And he said, you ought to be weeping because there ain't no fruit on it. Then it goes to the church. Pastors, you ought to be weeping if your church is not productive because you're the vine dresser. Amen. And because you're not paying the price, it's not producing. Uh 13, gird yourself, lament, priest, howl, ministers at the altar. Come lay all night in sackcloth. That's the only thing we ain't done yet, called an all-night prayer meeting. You minister, yep, somebody said, uh-oh. You ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholding from the house of God. The abundance is gone. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Assemble the elders and all the inhabitants of the, uh, uh, of the land to the house of the Lord and cry unto the Lord. This is why we're in a three-week fasting and praying. He said, I need you to come cry out to God for the condition of the church. Okay? 16, is not the meat cut off from before your eyes? And here's the big one that stood at me. Yea, joy and gladness from the house of your God. There's a joy missing from this house. There's, there's a gladness that ought to be superior to any high a drug addict could reach, any drunk, are, are you following me? They ought to be a superior joy and gladness in, in God's house. And the majority, we're not trying to be negative, but majority of Christians have to be counseled just to make it through another week. He said, my house ain't full of joy no more. They ought to walk in this house and the depressed get overwhelmed with the spirit of joyous worship in God's house. Somebody say sin revival. To where they come in oppressed by the world and not walk into an oppressed worship service where the worship leaders are. And us sitting out here twiddling our thumbs. He said the joy and gladness, they ought to feel it when they get out of the parking lot. And I can prove that to you by the third mountain. Amen. They ought to be so much joy that it's contagious. He said it's missing from my house. Are you okay? Well, y'all better hang in there because we ain't. We got a long way to go. Turn with me to Ezekiel 36. But it's still early, so I'm okay. This was jo uh, Kobe's message. Now remember, we're looking at the condition of the house, okay? I gave you the promise. I gave you the command. So now we're looking at the condition. She's depleted. Church is depleted. Most Christians struggle from week to week. How in the world are we going to walk through the streets and our shadows heal people when we're so depleted? I need somebody to come pick me up. I'm talking about condition. When I'm so busy fighting me and my own oppression, depression, and battles and devils, how in the world am I going to discern something in you that I could reach out to you and share with you the joy of the Lord? How are we going to walk up to the cripple spiritually like Peter and John and say, you know what, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, 
such as I do have, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Condition. We're not in that condition. This is what, now I want you to write this down. Ezekiel 36 could be one of the most powerful chapters in your whole Bible that I want you to take into your prayer time. Some of you saying, well, I can't pray long, can't study long. I'm giving you long. If you'll do what I'm telling you, you're going to be there a while. Ezekiel 36, one through whatever, write it down. And I want you to read Ezekiel 36. Get it in you. It's our promise. But all I want to do is extract one thing. Kobe preached out Ezekiel 36 the other night, and I like to orbit it. It was so good. 36 and 1, Son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, you mountain of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Because the enemy has said against them, aha, even the ancient high places are ours in possession. The devil is standing back saying, aha, I took their exalted place when I took their altars. I left them their worship. I left them their praise. I left them their tambourines. I left them their pianos. I left them their pulpits. Are y'all listening to me? He said, but I took the high place. Because if you're going to win the battle, you got to win it from the high place. He said, I took their prayer lives. I took their holiness. I took their commitment. I'm talking about your high places. He said, aha, now it's mine. They're not committed anymore. They're not holy anymore. They're grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. They ain't praying. Because you can't pray right and not live right. It's impossible. Everybody trying to teach you how to live right? You ain't going to be taught how to live right. Learn how to pray right. And conviction will become a melody. He said, aha, this is the condition of the church. I got their high places. I got their high places. They're, not praying. They're just coming together, scratching religious itches, patting each other on the back and saying, God is happy. He said, I got them. Okay, let's move on. Go to Haggai. You're probably going to need to swallow your pride, go to the front of your Bible, look at the index to find Haggai, unless you have a phone. Okay, now we're finna go from promise, from the command to the condition. He began to show me how the temple is rebuilt. I'm probably going to try to teach 50 more minutes, 50 more minutes, and be out at 8 o'clock. I'm going to try that. So just get ready to stay at least 50 more minutes. Haggai chapter number 1. Now, I need you to know this for your prayer time. Haggai. Zerubbabel, Joshua, Zechariah, Ezra was all contemporaries. Y'all remember all them names? Some of them are minor prophets. Some of them are priests. Some of them, uh, write them down. Haggai, Zerubbabel, because I'm going to be teaching on them, so you're going to be able to get them. Joshua, Ezra, Nehemiah. They were all contemporaries building the same temple. It's just in different books. So God has had me dissecting these books, finding nuggets on what to watch for when we start rebuilding his house. 
Verse number one, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month of the first day of the month came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel the governor of Judah and to Joshua the son of Josetek the high priest saying. Now that wasn't nothing but a bunch of names to you, but there's something I want you to see right from the beginning. Amen. Write it down. There's three men mentioned here. One was a prophet, one was a governor, one was a priest. One was a prophet, one was a governor, one was a priest. Why is that important? Because when God got ready to build his house, he needed a king. Are you listening to me? And he needed a priest. He needed government. He needed order. And he needed prayer. He needed spirit. A prophet. I wrote it right on the top of my Bible. A governor. And a priest. So in other words, the spirit that's got to be present to rebuild God's house right is you got to have good government. Are you listening to me? And you got to have the spirit of God. Too much government without the spirit creates legalism. Too much spirit without government produces a bunch of weird charismatics. I'm telling you. We preach Sunday on three mountains and the church is always either going all the way this way, all government and order and the spirit can't do anything. He can't move. He can't lead. Amen. But we got the letter of the law or you just got nothing but a bunch of wooey spiritual stuff that ain't got no scriptural reference to it. it ain't got no order. ain't got no design. Are you following me? So that's what's got to come back to this house. A balance of government and order. God is a God of order and boundaries. But it's led by the Spirit. Is that fair enough? Can y'all buy into that? So that's the ones he pulled together to build. But this is what the people said. They spoke to the Lord of hosts saying, the people say it's not time to come. It's not time for the Lord's house to be built. Oh, God, let me help you right now. Anytime you start making a move like this, amen, you're going to be tempted to say, well, maybe it's not time to make this commitment. Procrastination. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how that spirit will come in there? Well, you know, we all right. And I got other things. No, I'm sounding the alarm. Now is the time. Make the commitment now. Make the sacrifice now. Get involved now. Uh, me and Jermaine's been talking. Of course, he talked to Jermaine. You're going to talk about sports. He said, I made up my mind when I was in sports, I was in it to win it. I gave it 100%. Now's the time to give 100%. We can't be that group that's sitting back saying, you know, not now. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it later. No, we got to do it now. He said, they were saying, it's not time to build. So the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. He was bold. So Haggai stood up. How many knows God's got to send the prophets, God? He got to send the prophets and say, hey, enough is enough. You got to get your head on straight. We got to turn this thing around. The prophet stood up and said, well, it's not time to build God's house. Let me ask you a question. Is it time to build yours? Is it time for you to dwell in your roofed houses and God's house is laying in waste? Is it time for you to just be so busy making all your money to build your house and God's house is in shambles? Is anybody with me tonight? The prophet's standing before him and he's just hammering on him. Tell me it's not time. 
The reason you say it's not time because you're so wrapped up building your own life. And, and my house is laying in waste and all the answers is at my house. And my house would change your house if you just build my house and quit trying to build yours. Prophet Haggai. That's what prophets do, Scott. I release you, buddy. I release you on everybody else. You just leave me alone. Don't forget, I'm the apostle. <laughs> I love you, Scott. So he says, okay, verse number five. He said, stop and consider your ways. He said, okay, you say it's not time, so let's look at your life. And I ain't got time to read scriptures, I don't think. But anyway, 7, 6 says, you so much bring in little. You eat, you don't have enough. You drink, you're not filled. You clothe, but you're not warm. You earn wages, you put them in bag holes in it. He said, consider your ways. You say it's not time, and you're so dissatisfied with life, you can't stand yourself. Tell me it's not time. He said, you got plenty to eat, but you're always hungry, always wanting something else, wanting something. Oh, I got to have something else. I got to have something else. Amen. You got money, you put it in, in your pockets and it just disappears. Tell me it's not time. Look at your life. Oh my God, are y'all with me tonight? He said, look at your life. You ain't got no peace. You ain't got no joy. You ain't got no happiness. You said, it ain't time. I just need a bigger car and I'd be happy. I need a bigger house. I'd be happy. I, I need a big swimming pool in my backyard. I'm just saying that because me and Tammy just put one in our backyard. Of course, hers is bigger than mine, but still. <laughs> Fluky did too. Are you listening to me? And he said, and now y'all want to tell me it's not time to get dedicated? It's not time to sacrifice? This ain't my words. This is in the Bible. <laughs> so I'll, here's what I want you to do. The prophet said, go up to the mountain. Verse number eight, bring wood, build the house. I'll take pleasure in it. I'll be glorified in it, says the Lord. Go where and get the material? Go where and get the material? Uh, come on, help me. Go where? In other words, don't try to get material uh, horizontally. Don't try to get another program. Don't try to, and I love going and learning. Oh my God, help me, Holy Spirit. But don't try to glean from other churches. Go to the high place in prayer. Go to the mountain and get the will of God. Come back and build my house with material, Moses. When you build, Moses, make sure you follow the pattern I gave you on the, them ain't altars, them are mountains. Them are mountains. We got to go to the mountain and find out how God wants to build his house. I've always had a problem casting a vision as a pastor because a vision is usually a, 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 a pastor's personal likes and dislikes. My whole vision I'm casting tonight ain't nothing but scripture. Nothing but scripture. I want to go to the mountain to build this house. Guys, we got to go to the mountain. Elders, we got to go to the mountain. Prophet, we got to go to the mountain. This remnant here, we got to go to the mountain to build this house. And he said, look, if you'll do it from the mountain, I'll take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified. He said, but no, you looked for much, and it came to little. You brought it home. I blew on it. What? Some things the devil didn't steal from you. God, phew. So I ain't giving you that. You won't give me glory for it anyway. Am I, are y'all looking in the same Bible I am? Yeah, we blame it on the devil. You know, God blew it out of your life because you wasn't, you didn't have the character to carry the gift. God. You didn't have the character to handle the supernatural blessing he wanted to come in your life, so he blew it out. And another reason he blew it out is because the more comfortable you are in this world, amen, it makes you so comfortable we don't need God no more. 
I'll blow it out. I'll blow it out. I'd, I'd rather be uncomfortable and go to heaven than comfortably die and go to hell to miss it. Oh, God. God, I'm going to start calling Scott Haggai until you start talking like Haggai. I'm going to say, you Haggai. Haggai. He said, I blew it up. Why? 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 This stuff is in my prayer closet, y'all. I'm just sharing it with you. Why, says the Lord? Because my house is waste and you run to your own house. I'm going to tell you why what you got won't work. I want to tell you why you got all the stuff and it still ain't gave you no peace of mind. Matter of fact, it's made you worse. He said, I'm going to tell you why. Because you're running about your own business and my house is something we drop into on Sunday morning. He's here. This is where I've been for the last several weeks in prayer. God just pouring this stuff out to me. Okay, let's move on. Uh, therefore, let's read real fast. Verse number 10. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit. Amen. You ever felt like your prayers wasn't getting nowhere? He said the heaven is shut up. It's shut up because you'll compromise because you, 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 you didn't guard. You grieved. He taught it last night. Heaven shut down. There's no fruit. I called for a drought. This is all God saying this. And upon the mountains and upon the corn. Look, remember what I told you? The mountain is the high place. There's drought in your prayer life. Who am I talking to? I called a drought in your prayer life because you're compromised. I called a drought on the corn and the wine. There's no outpouring of spirit in your life and the oil. That which the ground brought forth upon men and cattle and all the labor of the field. Then Zerubbabel, here it is. This is the prophet standing before the governor, the priest. Remember? Those two offices don't represent men. It represents two offices. He's rebuking the governmental side of the church and the spiritual side of the church. The government speaks up and says, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jostek, the high priest, with all the remnant. Somebody say remnant. I need y'all to catch this part right here because this is you. You know what the remnant is? The remnant are those that are left after the division. I'm going to say that again. The remnant are those that are left after the dividing. This process is fixing to divide a remnant. And you got to be careful if you make the cut. You got to be careful that you don't judge people who don't make it. Oh, I'm finna give you some stuff now. I'm finna head the devil off. You got to be careful. If you got what it takes to hold the row, you're going, the process is going to separate people who's not near as dedicated as they thought they were, and it's going to come to a remnant. Two things I don't want you to get discouraged for. You never get the whole church. You never get the whole church. So whatever remnant we're left with, it's enough. It's enough to get the job done. The other thing I don't want you to do that the devil's going to try to get you to do, well, we must be holier than them. Oh, God, I'm trying to head off the devil right here. We must be holier than them. We spend more hours in prayer. We show up more. We're more faithful. If the devil has tore churches apart when God was simply dividing the remnant to get the job done. Can y'all receive that? I know I'm taking time right here and I need to be moving because I got a long way to go. I do not, as pastor of this church, I do not condone you judging anybody because they didn't pray. Because it's a trick. It's a trick. I don't want you condoning anybody because they don't worship. You just worship. 
You just pray. Okay? Two things. Don't judge and don't get discouraged when we get down to what's going to be left, the remnant. Because I promise you, whatever's left is going to build the church. Can y'all receive that? So the prophet is rebuking. He comes to the, and with all the remnant of the people, catch this, underlining in your Bible, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Somebody say it. Obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. I want you to notice something right now. The Lord God's voice wasn't speaking. The prophet Haggai's voice was speaking. But they didn't look at it as Scott Mercer. They looked at it as God. They didn't look at it as Colby Schultz. They looked at it as God. They didn't look at it as Chris Moses when he taught. Are you following me? They said when God spoke, you would be well off to start listening to this pulpit and say, that's not a man speaking to me. That's God using his voice. Okay? And the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God has sent him and the people did fear before the Lord. Are y'all still with me? Verse number 13. Don't get bored. Please stay with me. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger and the Lord's messenger and other people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. And I, this is what I want you to get. Verse 14. Somebody read it real loud. Of who? And who else? And who else? You got to read a little further. You're doing good. And they did what? <laughs> Listen, this is what I want you to catch. The prophetic word come with rebuke. They obeyed with no feeling. I don't feel nothing, but I've been rebuked and I was commanded to pray and I was commanded to come, and when I obeyed, what happened? God stirred the Spirit up. God stirred the Spirit up. In other words, you can't go by feeling. How many of this did this happen to you? I called prayer revival. You started committing because I told you to, and halfway through, what happened? The Spirit of God came in. And people who's not that committed don't understand that. Because they're saying, I don't understand why you want to go spend all that time in prayer. It's because they've never took that step of obedience for their spirit to get stirred up. Are you following me? I need you to get that point. Sometimes God, all the time, is always waiting on you. Just take the step of commitment and then he'll put feeling with it. Okay, good point. Y'all got it? Okay, before we go on now, uh, that's really good if you'll keep on reading just got so many scriptures. And Joshua's going to try to follow me on the screen. So I need you in your prayer time. Go into chapter number two. He starts telling Zerubbabel and four, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land. Oh, y'all got to get that in verse four. This is my word to you. Be strong, governmental office. Be strong, prophetic office. Be strong, spiritual priests and preachers and ministers and, and, and uh, the remnant. Be strong, all the people of the land, and work, for I am with you. Did y'all hear me? Be strong and work, because I'm with you. He's with us, saith the Lord. And he goes down and telling everything he's going to do. And these next scriptures, most preachers would just elaborate because it's all the blessings of God. And I want y'all to read that. But I want you to drop down in verse number 11. And right in the middle of the rebuilding, 
God stopped and started dealing with holiness. So holiness has to be reinstituted before you ever lay the foundation. Catch it. I got 30 minutes to get y'all to where I'm going. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, verse 11, chapter 2, verse number 11. Ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one bears holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? Priest answered and said, No. I'll be glad when preachers get back to where they can answer a definitive Yes and no. Are y'all following me? I'm tired of this. Well, on the other hand, well, either it's right or it's wrong. Are y'all following me right here? I'm sick of this middle of the road so you can do whatever you want to. I ain't got time for all that. Then said Hega, if one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Then Haggai said, this is the way my people are. So is this nation before me, says the Lord. So every work of their hands which they do is unclean. He said, okay, now we're building, but let's get one thing right from the beginning. If a priest is carrying holy stuff and he touched the unholy, does it make that, because it's set apart for God's use. It can't be used for nothing else. And it touched, does it make that holy? He said, absolutely not. But if I take something unholy and rub against the holy, it makes the holy unholy. Let me put it in these terms. Holiness is not contagious, but unholiness is. Did that work better? Colby finally caught it. And he said, now, you priest, all your preaching, all your singing, all your worship, all your clapping, all your dancing, it's all unholy because you've been using the same body to rub against unholy things. So the first thing we got to get right, we got to bring holiness back to the house of God. Follow me? Got to get holiness back. Okay, moving on. Okay, turn to Ezra now. I only got two more books. Ezra's way back over there right in front of Nehemiah. Because now I'm going to start giving you some warnings before I get to the tabernacle of David. Go to Ezra chapter number 3. Here's a warning. Here's a warning of what starts happening when you start really being successful in building. I'll give you all a little time. It's after the Kings, Chronicles... Ezra, y'all ready? Chapter, chapter number three. And when the seventh month was come, somebody say seventh month. My goodness, that's July. <laughs> that's July. How about that? Now remember, this is the same preachers and prophets. This prophesying the same thing, the rebuilding of the temple. Ezra three, when the seventh month was come, the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man, Jerusalem. Then stood up Joshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priest, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brother, and what? Somebody say it loud. The first thing they did is said, we got to rebuild the altar. The first thing they said is, if we don't start off with prayer, we're not going anywhere. Hence, Josh's message. Somebody say, we're right on track. 
First thing they did, it's so important. As bad as we want that big, beautiful house, let's just stop and build an altar. Let's build an altar. Uh, three, one through three. And they set the altar upon this basis, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries, and they offered burnt offerings upon the altar. They said, we better pray because the enemy's going to come. You better pray because the enemy is going to come. Okay, drop down. Let's, let's finish Ezra up. Chapter number 3, verse number 10. Okay, here, look, we're making progress now. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they put the priest in their apparel with trumpets, the Levite, son of symbols, to praise the Lord after King David's command. They are praising and worship. you got to learn to worship at every level of progress. All it was was a slick foundation with nothing else on it, but they stopped and praised God. Don't get discouraged because you don't see the fullness and the full of the fulfillment because it comes in stages. That's a word of advice to you. I know we're really looking for that, but look, we got to stop and worship Him because at least we got the foundation laid. Okay? Is that all right? Where was I at? Verse 11. They sang together by course and praising and giving thanks to the Lord because he is good. His mercy endure forever. And all the people shouted. Here it is. Catch this. All the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But, somebody shout but. I hate the buts. <laughs> but many of the priests and Levites and chief, the old timers, of the fathers who were ancient men <laughs> that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid, they wept with a loud voice and many shouted for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout from joy or weeping. The very building caused confusion. Because one bunch said, that ain't what I expected. Oh, y'all got to catch this. Don't look like the movie God I was in in 1965. That was a movie of God. I was born in 65. <laughs> well, that was a, that was outside my nature. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to squash the devil right here. That ain't like we done it. That wasn't like the move of God. It hold them. That wasn't like the move of God. It voked all that we was involved. Are y'all listening to me? Some of you ancients <laughs> that's been in some move of God's, they said they had made progress and instead of there being a unified shout, some were crying because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And some of them was overjoyed. And so the unrealistic expectations created confusion over preconceived ideas. We got to be careful right here that we don't start judging this move by past moves. God's heading off everything. Hey, listen to me, and I love what you said to Lacey and them, and also not think that, wow, this is so wonderful that we over-exaggerate the foundation and forget to put a house on it. We can't over-exaggerate a stage, because when you over-exaggerate one stage, you kind of drag, drag a stake and say, this is the sum total of it all. Are y'all following me? 
Are y'all seeing what's being taught to me in my prayer closet that I'm teaching you? So uh, he said, let's, let's watch this confusion that they don't get in here. And then you can't tell what's coming out of the church. Are they shouting for joy or are they depressed? God help me tonight. Huh? Okay, let's move on. I just had to stop and knock that devil in the head. Okay, now let's go to Nehemiah, which is the next book. And we're going to work this for just a little while. Nehemiah is another contemporary, remember? And they're all writing about the same thing. They're all telling the story of the rebuilding of the temple. Let's run through some things. Uh, let's start in chapter number two. Here's what I want you to catch, two and two. Now, Nehemiah is still in bondage. He's still a captive in Babylon. Because the church has been 70 years of captivity. He's still in captivity. He's the king's cupbearer. He's been, he's been a captive all his life probably. I don't know how old he was. You could find out, Josh. You're a teacher. Uh, he, I'm just saying. If you're a teacher, teach. He, uh, he may have been born into captivity. But he had a heart for Jerusalem. He had a heart for the church. And he would ask, how's things in Jerusalem? When someone would come into the city of Babylon, hey, how's, how's the motherland? How's the church doing down there on the corner in Jerusalem? And they'd tell him, man, it's destroyed. The gates are burned. The walls are torn down. There's no government. There's no order. People are ravishing it. She's a mess. And he began to weep. This is what I want you to catch. Well, if you was a king's cupbearer, when you come before the king, you better be smiling. It was disrespect to walk into the king's courts depressed. You ought to catch this part. It didn't matter what your day was. When you walk before the king, you better be smiling. Boy, let's teach on worship on that level. I can't help what you just went through out there. God says, when you enter into my courts, I want you to come in with praise and thanksgiving. Oh, I got to get away from that. So anyway, because if you come in sad the king would have your head cut off. Well, he was so... <laughs> that'll cure depression. <laughs> I'm not belittling that. Let me get away from that. Because... But look at this, what he said. Verse number two. Well, let's start one. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, the 20th year of our Texas, the king, the wine was before him. I took up the wine, gave it to the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. I never come before the king sad. Wherefore the king said unto me, why is your countenance sad? Can you imagine what run through his heart? Oh my God. Seeing you're not sick. You're not sick. What are you sad for? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was sore afraid and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Get this embedded in your spirit. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers lie in waste and the gates are consumed with fire? He turned around and said, King, let me ask you a question. Why should I not be sad when the church is in the condition it's in? Are y'all okay? Can y'all handle this much in one night? I'm sorry, but this is the last time I'll do this. You got to get it all. And we want everybody to be happy. Just skipping around. 
and the church is in a condition. My question is not why ain't you happy. My question is why ain't you sad? Why ain't you weeping? Why ain't you laying between the porch and altar? Why ain't you fasting when our world is in the condition it's in because the church is in the condition? So if you're taking notes, just write down why ain't you sad? Or write down Nehemiah's burden. That's what's in my notes. But what's amazing is, I want you to study. I'm giving you plenty to study, ain't I? Nehemiah, God gave Nehemiah favor with the king, and the king gave him a blank check, signed it. Said, here, go. Here, Kobe, go restore my church. Blank check. Go heal the sick. Raise the dead. Worship until every spirit of depression is broken. Here, here's a blank check. He said, go across the river and they don't know you, but I own forest over there. And when you go over and say, we need some trees to rebuild, they're going to tell you, yeah, you can go right back across the river. He said, but pull this check out that's got my name on it and say, the king said, the king said, give me all the lumber. No wonder Jesus said, when you go, go in the name of Jesus. Devil, Jesus said, I can't teach all that stuff. Amen. I'm going to let you guys do that. Why should I not be afraid? When people get a burden, God gives the king favor. Of course, our king is Jesus. He gives you a blank check and says, go to work. There's no deficit but in your own mind. There's no lack but in your own mind. God, it's there. Let's build. Let's build. Let's build. Before we go any further, uh, people are getting tired. I need you to reach over and grab your neighbor by the arm and start shaking the fire out of them and say, let's build. Come on, there you go, wake them up. Let's build. Uh, if you got false teeth, shut your mouth and say, let's build. Let's build. Let's build. We got a blank check. We got a blank check. It's endorsed by Jesus himself. Let's build. It'd be so nice if we could just do that without the devil. It would be so nice if we could catch God's attention without catching the devil's attention. But he done taught it. You can't catch God's attention without catching the devil's attention. Somebody go with me now to Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse number 10. Here's the response of the enemy. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant of the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved, here it is, it grieved them exceedingly that there come a man to seek the welfare of the church. It makes the devil mad when he hears people are concerned about the condition of the church. They got mad. Somebody say the devil is mad. He is mad because somebody got concerned finally and are laying between the porch and the altars so hear me, church, he's coming. Some of you have been fighting already. And if I don't get you turned right now, you're going to start fighting each other. You're going to start fighting yourself. I'm telling you. You're going to start fighting your own thoughts. You're going to start fighting. And if you don't hear me, you're gonna, he's going to wear you out. If you don't come to the conclusion, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness. When it starts to rise up in you, you better realize it's a demon. It ain't my brother. Man, sometimes I think you a devil, but you ain't. 
You thought the same thing, huh? <laughs> it ain't your thoughts. It's the devil's thoughts. But if you wrestle with them and, oh, I got so much, it's all in Nehemiah. He's going to wear you out. But look, God Almighty, ain't this awesome, y'all, that God has given us all these warnings, seeking the, the welfare. Uh, I'm going to skip some of this. In chapter number 2 and verse number 11, Nehemiah went, got on, the king sent him. He got on his little donkey and started riding around the church looking at That's what Fluky was doing a while ago. He was riding around saying, hmm, that's bad. At night, he rode around and said, hmm, the gates are burned. Oh, no, the walls are torn down. He's just riding. He's just looking. He's got a check in his pocket. But he's assessing the situation. See, we never stop like this and assess the situation. Because we want everybody to think everything's fine while we're putting money in bags with holes in it, while we're not being fulfilled. He assesses the situation, comes back, gives the objective. I got scriptures for all that, but I'm skipping all of it. That's all in chapter number 2, uh, 11 through 18. So he does all of that. He assesses. He knows what's got to do. He casts the vision. Uh, uh, in verse number 18, I told them that the hand of the Lord was upon me. That's what I'm trying to tell you. God has called us here. He's told me that July is the beginning of our new year. I'm trying to tell you the hand of the Lord is upon us. Uh, let us rise up and build. Verse number 18, so they strengthened their hands for this good work. But verse number 19 starts with what? But. There's another but. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Ta Tobiah heard about it. They laughed us to scorn. They despised us and said, what is this thing they are doing? He's going to start trying to intimidate you. Who you think you are? You ain't worthy for this. You ain't qualified for this. He's starting to come now. Are y'all listening to me, Remnant? You ain't worthy for this. You ain't good for this. You don't know enough scripture. You ain't been part of church long enough. You, 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 you. You're, you're too filthy. You're too unclean. You're too this. You're too that. He started just gnawing. Who do you, he mocking them, mocking them. Oh God, I, I know y'all can't say nothing, but y'all done there. You've been there. If not, you're fishing to go there. All right, let's go just a little further. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter number three. They're starting to build. The enemy is, I'm not going to read it. I just want you to look down at it. It is one of the most boringest chapters in the Bible. And to me, it's the most ridiculous. Why have I got to go through the time of saying, and I went through and marked mine. Every time it said next to him, I marked it. Can y'all see my Bible? All them blue is next to him. Kobe was building by Joshua. And next to Joshua was Courtney building by Joshua. And next to Courtney was Fluky building beside Courtney. And next to Fluky was Patty building by... Are y'all bored yet? And next to Patty was Melissa building beside Patty. And next to Melissa was Lacey building... We're going to be here a while, but I'll be back there in a minute. And next to Stowe, that's what the whole next chapter says. And I thought, really? And then it just dawned on me. That's because everybody is important in their place. 
I don't need to go prayer meeting tonight. And the work is so great that if I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for what's in front of me, I can't be responsible for what's in front of you because the work is so great and I'm counting on you to do your part. And so he went through all this time to say, this one built beside that one and they connected and this one built beside that one and it's connected. So that's why the devil's going to try to divide us. I can leave a breach right here. Are y'all getting all this? Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. I know y'all are getting tired. Unified effort. Okay, go to Nehemiah chapter number four. Write this down. Progress draws opposition. Progress draws opposition. You just think you're in a battle now. Start showing some progress. Verse number four, it came to pass when Samballot heard that we had built the wall, he was what? Four and one. He was what? Thank you. He was mad. He took indignation and now he's mocking the Jews and said before his brethren and the army of Samaria, what do these feeble Jews think they're doing? Are they going to fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? I say, yes, we will. Will they make an end in the day? Are they going to revive these stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are born, burned? Oh, Tobiah was beside him and said, ah, it ain't going to work. Even if they build it, if a fox go up on it, it's going to break down. Nehemiah began to pray, hear, O oh God, hear us, O oh God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own head. Give them for pray for the land. Cover not their iniquity. Look at verse number seven. Well, no, let's don't stop. Verse number five, don't cover up their iniquity, O oh God. Don't let their sin be blotted out. He's praying. They provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. We were halfway through. For the people, what? Y'all are with me. The people had a mind to work. But it came to pass. But it came to pass. Samballot and Tobiah and the Arabians, the Amorites, the Ashdodites heard the walls of Jerusalem made up and, the, and that the breaches began to be stopped and they were very mad and they started conspiring all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem to do what? To hinder the work. Nevertheless, he said in the next scriptures, we made our prayer unto God and we set a watch against them day and night. Hear me, I'm trying to wind down in 10 minutes. I need to help you right now. The devil is conspiring against you and your brother and your sister. He said we had to set a watch. Shake your neighbor one more time and tell him you better watch. This is a place to where you got to pray with one eye open. If you believe your eyes got to be shut to pray, you better leave one eye open. One eye is in prayer to God and the other eye is watching the enemy who's going to try to cause division and schisms and you fighting this one and this leader wants to quit that leader and he's going to bust up. He wants to bust up teams that we're not on the same page anymore. Is anybody listening to me? I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So he said, he was doing all this. He said, but uh uh, we watched and prayed. You want to take care of a, dis, uh, 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 a dissension between you and a brother or a sister? Pray. Don't talk, pray. Don't tell nobody, pray. Why? Because it ain't the person I'm fighting, it's the devil who's stirring them up. 
Tell your neighbor he's talking to you. Because y'all are right in the middle of some stuff and you think I'm talking to somebody else. No, I'm ta he's talking to us. Where did I stop at? Huh? Nine. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. We set our watch day and night because of them. We had to stay up all night because the enemy's mad. Judah said the strength of the burdens is decayed. There's much rubbish. Now the church is starting to complain. Oh my God, we can't do it. It's too hard. There's too much rubbish. Huh? God help me help us tonight. Much rubbish that we're not able to build. And listen, here's what I want you to catch. Verse number 11. Somebody read the first line to me. Our adversary said, you're not going to make it if you start repeating the devil. The church said, well, the adversary said, I don't care what the devil said. We're not getting the devil's permission to rebuild this. We got a signed check. They said, our adversaries are saying, our adversary, I don't care what the church down the road saying. I don't care what the naysayers are saying. I don't care what the devil's saying. Don't never come to me and repeat what the devil's saying. Because I'm going to tell you what Nehemiah said. Don't repeat what the devil's saying. This is good for somebody in your own mind. You may not be saying it in your mouth, but you're repeating it in your mind. That's a word for somebody. You're repeating it in your mind. Therefore, it's getting rooted and grounded. It's all because you're building. It's just because you're building. It's because you're closing up the breaches. It's because you're closing up gaps in the lives of people that the devil's been coming in for years and wrecking their lives and we're starting to close up the breach. He's going to start lying to you. He's going to start lying to you. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Our adversary said that they, you're not going to know or see, but we're going to come to you when you're least expected and slay y'all. Quit repeating the devil. Quit repeating them thoughts. Some of you are only defeated by your own thoughts. Yes, ma'am? You got water. He don't. When we repeat it. And catch this. Because he works in your psyche, you don't have to be verbal. Think it. That's why the Bible says cast down every... It don't say, you know, I'm, I'm with you. It's the word. But thoughts are words. You just didn't vocalize them. Catch this, please. This is so powerful. If not, you're going to be depressed or you're going to be oppressed and you're going to be burned down. And it's all because God said, I got to stop you because you're working next to her. And I can't get to her, but if I can get to you, I'm going to leave a gap. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. The enemy says, thank you. I'm going to leave a gap. I'm going to leave a gap. That's why everybody's important. Golly, are y'all seeing this stuff? Uh, and it goes on to say that even the Jews in verse number 10 started saying negative stuff. Rosetta, that's what you're talking about. Now we've listened to the devil so much, we're starting to talk negative in here. We're starting to say, you know what, I don't know. I don't know about that preacher up there. He's, I don't know if he's leading us in the right direction or not. Or I, I, I don't know about all this. They started 
talking among themselves. You know what? Uh, I, I, I can't connect with you no more. The devil said, yeah, pull that one out. Pull that one out. I, I, can't, I can't connect with you no more. Uh, so he said, I started setting up this and I started setting up that. Drop down to verse number 14. Now 13. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families. He said, I know how I can win this. He said, I'm going to put you, Kobe, over your family. Because if, if, if I don't put you over people you're close to, you might bail out on somebody, but you ain't going to bail out on your family. So I'm going to put you in control of your family. Your family. Look at your neighbor and say, you're my family. You're fine family. I may get so mad at you that I want to peat your head off, but you're my son. You listen to me? And I may kill you, but nobody else is. Are you following me? He was wise. He said, I'm going to put them over their families. And I guarantee you, when they lose the will to fight for themselves, they're going to fight for their sons. They're going to fight. Matter of fact, look at this next scripture. 14, thank you, baby. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and the rest of the people, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and majestic. And somebody read it real loud like you mean it. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Son, he's pumping them up, ain't he? When you fight for this house, you're fighting for your house. I'm so sick of this. I'm not going to sacrifice my kids on the altar of religion. I'm not either because we ain't pursuing religion. We're pursuing God. Amen. Uh, you go to church too much. It's going to affect your kids. No. When I build this house, he builds my house. Are you following me? Fight for your family. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, man, y'all got to catch this stuff. It is powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm about going to meet my deadline. Look at verse number 17. No, where did I stop at? Did I read 15? And it came to pass when our enemies heard, oh, my God, I'll be so glad when the devil hears life churches unified. And it came to pass when our enemy heard that it was known unto us and that God brought their counsel to nothing that we all just went back to work. God headed that one off. Let's go back to work. I'm ready for the devil to hear he got kicked in the teeth instead of hearing that we got kicked in the teeth. And it came to pass from that time forth, half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows and the habergens and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. There's going to come a time in this where, amen, that I may be having to fight the fight while you're building and then there may come another time to where I'm getting to build a little while. Okay, Kobe, I need you to fight because I'm going to do some building. I'm going to do some counseling. I'm going to do some encouraging. I'm finna, are y'all following me? But I need some Somebody with a sword in their hand fighting. So we're going to work together that I ain't going to get to build all the time. I'm going to have to give you the hammer sometime and pull my sword. But that's okay. We got the same cause, right? Isn't that good? But here's what I, one of my favorite things in the Bible. 17, then they which built on the wall and they that bear the burdens with those that laid it, carried burdens, it means everyone with one of his hands, he worked. And with the other hand, he said, it's going to get so intense that you're literally going to have to have, uh, what do you smear cement with? Trial. 
You're going to have a trial in one hand and a sword in the other. You're going to be fighting the devil the same time you build him. That's how intense it's going to be. You know what that's a picture of? I can whoop the devil with one hand. <laughs> ain't that good? That's just revelation, ain't it? It's going to get so intense to where I don't have the luxury of laying down my trial. I got to preach when I'm fighting. I got to pray when I'm fighting. I got to be nice when I'm fighting. I got to love when I'm fighting. Is anybody in this place? I don't have the luxury of saying, time out. I need three months off. Is anybody? I'm trying to build something here. We're trying to turn. Time out. I'm going through something. I got to fight. I got to build. It's going to be a divide in here. It's going to separate the big boys from the little boys. Got to fight and build. So they fought and built. Okay, let's finish up now. Six, chapter six. It came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah, Geshem the Arabian, the rest of our enemies, somebody saying all the rest of them, heard that I had built the wall, that there was no breach left, that at that, though at that time I had not put the doors on yet, when they heard, verse number two, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me saying, come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing a great work, I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work, I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? When he sees that you're being successful, so I, I can't get them that way. Let me see if I can just get them to come down here and negotiate with me. Come down here, let's talk about how they treated you. Come on down in the valley of oh no. <laughs> I mean, y'all are thinking I might as well say it. You know what you got to say? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Can I encourage somebody right now? Don't come down out of the mountain to have this dialogue with that negative spirit. Don't come down. The work's too important for you to come down and start entertaining them. Courtney, you just kicked the devil in the teeth other than that. Don't come down to the devil telling you, well, you blew it. You missed it. Y'all didn't reach it tonight. Y'all didn't get to that high. Say, oh, no. I want y'all to write a song. I'm going to title it, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> he said, oh, no. Please, no. And then what happens? That we're at that. How many's ever been on the high exalted place of hearing the voice of God, being in the presence of God, only to wake up in the valley of oh, no? Will somebody be honest? Why? Because the devil said, come on down here. Let's talk about this. You know why he's saying come down here? Because you've done got to the place that I can't get to you. I can't reach you way up there. I can't deceive you up there. I can't lie to you up there. So I need you to come down to oh no. He said, uh-uh. This is too important for me to come down. 
I sent messages and said, I'm doing a great work. I ain't coming down. I ain't leaving to come to you. So they sent to me four or five times after this sorrow. I answered him the same manner. Amen. He don't quit after the plunk, number one. He just keeps on. Come on down. Come on down. Trying to get you to come on down. Come on down. He had his answering four times. I'm not coming down. You got to be persistent with the devil, okay? I need to quit. I don't know if 52 days means anything, but it took him 52 days to do this work. I think that's like August the 21st from July 1st. I don't know if we're going to have to fight for 52 days. I don't know if we're going to have to pray for 52 days. I don't know. I just know it's 52 days is in there. And I don't know where God's going to lead us after this week of prayer revival. But he had us slow down and me following suit with him. That the biggest concern of God right now is some of you are about to be attacked by the devil. Sanballat and Tobiah is coming. And if you don't recognize it, I'm going to have to lay my hammer and sword down to try to keep you saved. I ain't got time. That's how... Are you saying you ain't got time for them? No, it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm taking care of it right here tonight so that we don't have to leave the work to encourage one another not to twist off. Is that fair enough? It's that intense right now, especially when it's being taught so clear that Sanballat and Tobiah is going to start putting division. Can I expose me and you, Josh? I'm just going to tell you what happened. Me and him has never had conflict. And Patty said it's because I always want to be his best friend. And that's something we need counseling over. But anyway. Because <laughs> I was always the good guy and she had to be the bad guy. Can anybody relate? So I never really got on to him and he needed to be got on to. So we've never been confrontational with one another. We might get mad at each other. We just shut up. We won't talk. I won't buy him. You sorry. Sunday morning, two weeks ago, I walked in the sound room. And I looked out here and it was dark. I was like, hey, that's too dark. <laughs> Josh is up here finna start the deal. I flipped on the spotlights, turned all the lights in the house up. Josh looked back at me and said, <laughs> I knew he didn't like it, but I ignored him. I just kept on doing what I was doing. I'm just telling y'all now. It don't stop at the pew. Here he come. What are you doing? A little tiffy. But I was in the sound room and I couldn't get my hands on him because he was standing down here. And I said, I'm turning the lights on. Uh, and uh, what was the next statement? I said, why? He said, why? I said, because it's dark in here or whatever. And he said, you're not on the praise team. <laughs> and I said, you don't run this thing. I do. And with that tone, are y'all following me? It don't stop out there. And he said, okay, fine. And he's going to get up here and lead y'all in worship and he's got unforgiveness in his heart. Oh, this is just being led of the Lord. It's coming out. I'm telling you. The lead pastor 
the associate pastor clashed in a split second. It went south. Are y'all following me? And I was standing there like, what just happened? He's up there on drums. <laughs> I'm sitting down here in worship. <laughs> I'm just telling you what happens to everybody in that pew. Opening one eye, looking at the drum. <laughs> and it just dawned on me. You sorry. No good for nothing. Devil. Ain't no way. I see you, and I just begin to smile, and I just begin to laugh. We have got the devil's attention. So I went over there. Y'all may have seen. That's what we were doing. We were kissing and making up right over there. <laughs> I said, this is the devil. We are not going through. Are you listening to me right now? We're not waiting until after church. We're not going to do this over the dinner table. I'm coming up there right now, and me and you are going to get down to business. Is anybody listening to me? Hey, man, this is the devil, and we ain't going here. I just needed to expose that. Some of you are going through that right now. And if you don't do what I did, go to them and say, forget it. It wasn't you. It was the devil. I knew it was the devil because uh, he, he just treated me like a dog. And I come up here. I mean, that's the way I took it. And I had my suit all buttoned up, and I raised my hands, and my top button went, Now, I'm trying to get in the spirit, and my button's laying on the floor. Come on, man. I'm just being real. God, this is a bad day. The devil is just on me. My button popped off. This, God must have did all this because I didn't know all this was going to come out. Matter of fact, I told him behind the drums. I told him, I said, you got to pray for me because I don't know if I can preach because my button popped off while ago. Well, I didn't I tell you that? For some of you, it takes a whole lot less. I'm just being real. Because you roll this stuff over in your mind and you start repeating what the devil said instead of going to him and said, you know what, dude, it ain't you and it ain't me. The devil just, that's Sanballat and Tobiah. And they're trying to stop what we're doing. We shook it off and ain't never thought about it again. But I will take care of that light problem, y'all. Just tell you. <laughs> and come to find out, you started it. You the sophisticated looking guy back there. Yeah, you. Because he mentioned to Josh, why don't we do some worship like we do at prayer night or something like that, didn't you? So really, you're the instigator that liked to split a church. You like to split a church. That guy liked to split this church. Sand ballot. See? All just innocent, nobody thinking nothing. Let's just, he, he's been enjoying prayer. Oh, no, now he's going to try to defend himself. Oh, it was Shelly. <laughs> right, that's what I was going to get to, that we had been doing that all week in prayer, and it was just so personal. And so that's all it was all about. It was all so simple, and I just walk in. And me, I never even think about lights. I don't think about nothing. They do everything. I'm thinking about what. <laughs> Easy, brother. I'm just thinking about. I'm just thinking about. I love you, Sister Helen. I'm finna shut down. Y'all, it's getting late. Uh, 
I don't think about that. It was just the devil said, it's dark in there. Can I be real? That's what happens. I'm trying to encourage you. We're building. We're building, and the enemy don't like it, and we're making progress. Things are changing. You're changing. I'm changing. So I'm asking you, here's the thing, in closing, wrapping it all up. We can't go to that level of success and, and stay on the same level of prayer. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.